Hello fellow adventurers and welcome to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I am an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. In episode 21 of the Nerd Lab podcast, we will talk about level ups and progression systems in card games. We will talk about character progression by upgrading cards or adding new cards to a deck. We will also talk about roguelikes, deck builders, deck construction games and adventure card games. All of these games have some sort of progression system. But the implementation of these systems are very different from game to game. And I'm currently designing the progression system for my game and that's why I have analyzed some games and different concepts and I found some design patterns or guidelines which I would like to share with you today in this episode. And now for you, the main quest. The first question we are going to tackle today is what do we want to achieve with our progression system? A progression system has many different purposes, but it is usually used to control the flow of a game. We as a game designer make use of these progression systems to control at least some aspects of how the players make progress in our game and how they experience it step by step. For RPG-like games, in which you control some sort of character, one of the most important tasks of a progression system is to add character growth to the game. Typically, you start a game as a relatively weak character, who evolves over the course of the game and develops new skills. That means the progression system is some form of implementing a typical hero journey in your game. By giving the players information about how their character could possibly look at the end of the game, for example by showing them a skill tree, um, you can add a long-term strategic goal to your game. Players have something to think about um, in between sessions. Um, they are going to think about uh, how their character or their deck should look like once they are at the end of the progression. This can add an extra layer of player involvement for your game because they are thinking about their character design and they also do this in between sessions which really helps to um, keep the players involved with your game. I, for example, always remember how much time I spent thinking about the perfect skills and equipment for my fire sorcerers in Diablo 2 um, in order to improve my magic find runs. The progression system of your game can also be used to introduce elements of the game one by one in order to ease the learning curve and reduce the barrier of entry. The more complex elements of your game could be hidden behind a progression system. The more complex cards, for example, often are added later to the game. Complex mechanics are typically not printed on cards in your starting deck, nor are they used um, by enemies um, in your first encounter. All this is part of a well-designed progression system and uh, that adds complexity to the game step by step, 
once the players are familiar with the basic mechanics of the game. Sometimes the progression system also includes the narrative of the game. For example, when you need to earn trust from a faction in order to receive new quests from that faction. That means you have to make some progress in a specific direction before the story of the game continues. Or you have to decide in which direction you want to develop the story. This also gets a little bit into the concept of group progression. Instead of focusing on the individual character or the individual deck, players can sometimes work together and pool their resources in order to progress as a team or a party. Collectively earning trust from one faction is an example for group progression. But this concept is not only valid for co-op games, uh, but can also be leveraged in competitive games. In Feria, a digital strategy card game, the developers came up with an interesting concept of group progression. I don't know if they still use it, but at one point in time they showed on their website the goal that has collectively been gathered by all the players. Once the players achieved a certain amount of gold, collectively, um, additional content was released. And yeah, while I think about it, um, Kickstarter stretch goals are actually also a good example for group progression. Today I want to focus a little bit on progression in card games. So how can you uh, manipulate or develop a deck of cards uh, when a character levels up? Um, that's not all or everything a progression system cares about, but it is the part I think is most important, or at least it is the part I'm currently working on uh, in my game, and yeah, that's the reason why I will focus on it um, today a little bit. But we will also look at some other aspects of progression systems as well. Of course, the progression systems look different for each game. This is mainly because the other game mechanics have a big influence on what you are able to manipulate with the level up. For example, if the number of cards in the deck is also used as character health, you will be limited how to how many cards you can add or remove from a deck without making the player too strong or too weak. However, there are some common characteristics of level up mechanics that can be compared. In my analysis, I noticed some different characteristics, which in my opinion have a big influence on the level up mechanics. On the basis of these characteristics, you can also derive your design principles for your progression system. At least that's what I hope. Today I will briefly introduce you to these differentiation criteria and then talk about some influencing factors you need to take into account and um, after that we will go into um, looking into some examples. I have also discussed this topic on Reddit and I just wanted to take the chance here to say thank you to everyone who uh, participated in the discussion and provided some good input. Uh, you can find the link to this discussion um, in the show notes. So the first Differentiation criteria I came across is the type of progression. An essential question to ask yourself is whether you want to upgrade the existing cards in the deck during a level up or whether you want to add new cards to the deck. The two options are not mutually exclusive, of course, but they achieve different things. If you want to upgrade existing cards, you probably change the strength or efficiency of the existing spell. If you 
add new cards, you can more easily create new playstyles and combos. But of course, it also creates additional complexity because many players don't want to make any mistakes with level up decisions and therefore take their time to think about these kind of decisions. So the most typical types of progression in a character-driven card games are enhancing existing spells, for example by putting them stickers on cards, or um, adding or removing cards from the deck, or replacing cards with stronger versions of the cards. But remember, these are only the different types of progression in respect to making changes to the available cards directly. You could also change other game elements instead of the cards that somehow indirectly influence the cards. A few examples are you could add additional life points or additional resource points, um, additional actions or maybe an increased hand size or the ability to draw additional cards each turn. Some games do not only allow the players to add cards to their deck as part of the progression. Some games allow you to remove cards as part of character development in order to get rid of the weakest cards uh, of your deck and increase thereby the chances of drawing your more powerful spells. This is something that is typically used in deck building games. The second differentiation criteria is the frequency. So the number of changes that are made to a deck. So the question you have to ask yourself is how often do you want uh, your character progression to take place? After every adventure, during the adventure, every turn or maybe immediately whenever you play a card? And how do you measure progress? Do you use experience points or gold or something else? I think this really depends on how important the progression system is in your game. In a deck building game, there is a progression virtually every round when you buy a new card from the marketplace. In an adventure card game, it's often more like in an RPG where you can spend your experience point at the end of the adventure to acquire new or upgraded skills. So you should be aware of the status you want your progression system to have and make your design decisions accordingly. Another aspect to think about are requirements. Many games have some sort of requirement you need to fulfill in order to be able to pick a certain reward when you level up. Imagine a typical skill tree in which you have to master a specific spell first before you can choose one from a later stage. Another requirement that is often used is uh, that you need to have a certain level before you are allowed to choose from the more powerful rewards or that each reward is tied to a specific level. Another distinction I have seen in character progression systems, in card games especially, is the distinction between random rewards and planned rewards. So what I mean by that is that in some games you have a predefined pool of rewards. A skill tree in which you can decide which path to go is a good example of a planned reward system. A random reward system, on the other side, is a system in which you don't really know what kind of rewards you will have available. Many games use random rewards for item upgrades and more deterministic or planned rewards for skills. But there are also exceptions which we'll discuss later. 
if you want to have planned rewards, you can make another distinction between a deterministic path in which you do not get any choices about your upgrades and a pool of choices in which you know all the possible rewards and can plan your path ahead of time. You can also distinguish between character-specific upgrades and general upgrades. This can best be explained by using an example. When a character levels up in Gloomhaven, he or she can choose from two available skills on that level that are only available to this class alone. So this is a character-specific reward. The player chooses one of two cards and adds it to the available pool of cards. If uh, one of the players then wants to upgrade a card, um, on the other hand, he or she can choose from a generic pool of upgrade stickers and um, put this sticker on the card. So, for example, put a plus one attack sticker on a specific card or a plus one movement sticker on a card. So the this is an example for a general reward because it is um, available to everyone. So, these are the primary differentiation criteria that I came up with during my analysis. Of course, not all of the options are suitable for all games. And I also noticed some factors in my analysis that have an influence on which progression models could be applied. So, the influencing factors are pace, deck size and persistence. It's a bit about finding out how strong the changes can be on a level upgrade. It also depends on how often you play the changed or newly added card in the future. Therefore, you should also think about the pace, the deck size and the persistence of the changes that you allow the players to make. The questions you should ask yourself are how many cards of your deck do you typically play during a turn? And how many cards are in your typical deck? And how many turns does a typical match last? From these three questions, you can then derive how often you will see the upgraded card. So in a game that uh, plays a card only once every now and then, um, the upgrade could be stronger because um, it would not affect the, the game so much. Another distinction is also the persistence of the changes. So do you use the cards over multiple sessions or do you reset your deck um, every time? Which more or less means you wipe your entire progression or at least some part of it. Roguelikes and deck builders typically reset the deck for each match. While strategy card games and adventure card games typically come with a more persistent model where the changes are um, used over many sessions. I think this shows quite well how different games like deck builders or adventure card games are. Um, both genres are very good and players like them, but they are very different. And I think they are different because of the progression system. That shows how much influence the progression system can have on a game. Uh, deck builders, for example, feel very fast-paced. Because you make so many changes to your deck every round. And um, the adventure card games on the other side, at least the ones that I have played, um, feel a little bit slower. You make some kind of progression at the end of each quest, but it's only a little change to your character. Um, but it will affect all the scenarios you play in the future. Whereby the deck builders are reset at the end of the match and then you start all over again. 
For my game, I will definitely use a persistent progression model because I want my players to develop some kind of um, strong relationship with their character over a, a longer scenario. And I don't think that this can be achieved with a system that uh, wipes most of the character progression at the end of each uh, session. But I also want it to be a little faster than um, the existing uh, adventure card games because um, I don't think it's enough to upgrade only one or two cards at the end of a scenario. On the other side, I also need to take balancing into account. There's also a limited number of changes that the players can make to their deck before it maybe feels too strong and the balancing is not possible anymore. So I want my players to make a lot of decisions that influence how their character develops. And these decisions should feel meaningful and develop the character into a direction that suits their playstyle. Well, yes, this is the current design challenge I face. Maybe we can find some interesting examples and inspiration when we look at them um, existing games. So let's start with the examples. First of all, let's have a look at some computer games because they perfected character progression over the last decades. In League of Legends, for example, each character has four character-specific skills. One of it being an ulti that has the requirement that you need to be level 6 before you can choose it. You as a player can choose in which order you want to level your spells. You can either choose to activate one of the skills you didn't choose before, or you could level up one of the spells you already have access to. But you can only add or upgrade exactly one spell per level. At max level, every character has all four available skills on max level, but the game leaves some freedom to the players in choosing how they want to get there. The number of changes is fixed, one per level. Uh, the available spells um, are character specific and always known by the player. And once the match is over, the entire progression is reset. In Diablo 2, I know it's an old game, but I played it a lot um, and, and I enjoyed the character progression there. That's why I want to mention it. It is probably, I would say, the poster child for a typical skill tree progression per level. And that's why I mention it. In Diablo 2, you have a typical skill tree in which you can choose from the character-specific spells. Most spells have the requirement that you need to be a specific level and must have followed a certain path on the skill tree in order to choose that spell. Since you have multiple trees per character class, you can choose from a lot of spells, providing a large amount of variety. In addition to that, you get skill points per level that you can spend on your main character attributes that then, again, influence your available health, mana and other secondary resources. Slay the Spire is a fast-paced dungeon crawler in which you use deck building to create a deck that represents the skills of your character over time. Your progression includes adding stronger cards to your deck, but also enhancing cards you already have in your deck. The interesting twist is that the available cards you can choose from are random for each merchant you find. While you may have the perfect build for your character in mind, you still have to adjust your strategy based on the cards that are available. In addition to adding and enhancing cards, the 
ability to remove bad cards is also an integral part of the game. That means progression can also mean to remove things from a deck. In addition to cards, you can also acquire potions and relics that are both always available to you during a match. At the end of a run, however, the entire deck is reset. Slay the Spire is a very fast-paced game. That means you churn through your deck quite a bit. That makes every change very meaningful because you will see the new or upgraded card a lot of times during the run. The random aspect of the game adds a lot of replayability to the game, but sometimes also a bit of frustration because you never get the perfect build you have made up for your character. Another game um, is Card Quest. Card Quest is quite similar yet different compared to Slay the Spire. It is also a roguelike dungeon crawl deck builder, but you do not add single cards to your deck. Instead, the cards in your deck are determined by your starting class and six different slots. The first slot is your style, which is more or less a subclass of your character class. The second slot is your primary weapon slot. The third slot is your secondary um, hand slot. Then you have um, armor, trinket and the back slot. Um, each of these slots can be equipped with one item and Each item comes with a number of cards that are added to your deck once you equip the item. This means if I change my weapon, the five cards of the old weapon in my deck will be replaced with the five cards of the new weapon. You have to find the respective items before you can use them, um, but you only have to find them once. They will not be reset after the run. That means you will start your next run better equipped as the last run. I am not sure if the items you find are random or scripted on your path, but what they do to the game is they remove some of the complexity from the deck building aspect. Because it is made sure that at least some of the cards that are meant to be played together are always together. However, this mechanic also removes a lot of freedom from the players. I enjoy both Slay the Spire and Card Quest, and it is hard for me to tell which of the approaches I like more. Both have their advantages and disadvantages. Uh, the last computer game that I want to mention is Darkest Dungeon. Uh, Darkest Dungeon is a roguelike computer game that tackles the character progression from another perspective. The game doesn't involve cards, but I wanted to mention it here because its take on character development is so different. Instead of developing into an unbeatable munchkin, the hero journey in Darkest Dungeon looks completely different. Characters suffer a lot of negative effects during their often too short career as an adventure. The stress of dungeon crawling leads to characters getting some serious physical and mental illness. The heroes can become paranoid, abusive or just act completely unreasonable because of the terrors they have encountered. The character progression in this game is not only about leveling the skills of your character, but also treating their negative impairments. One aspect of the progression system is that characters suffer random negative conditions And another aspect is to remove these negative conditions by sending them to the local inn to drink or into the church to pray or meditate. 
I think this perspective can add a lot of depth to a game and its progression system. But now let's get to some physical board games. Um, and we are going to start with Warhammer Quest. Warhammer Quest um, is an adventure card game in which each character only consists of four cards, each representing one possible action. The four actions are attack, aid, explore and rest. And after each quest, there is a settlement stage in which each player can perform two of the following three actions as part of character progression. Um, a character can visit a trainer and when a hero visits a trainer, he is allowed to exchange one of the four basic actions um, with um, one corresponding advanced action. So it basically means remove your level zero Uh, attack action and replace it with the uh, level one attack action. This is a character specific reward um, in which players can only choose the order in which they want to upgrade their base abilities. So they can only choose between um, upgrading the attack action first and then the eight action later or the other way around. The second possible action they can take on, um, on a rest is uh, visiting the blacksmith. And when a hero visits a blacksmith, um, he draws two cards um, from the gear pile um, and then choose one of them to equip and discard the other one. This is a good example for a random reward um, in which players only have a limited agency. They are allowed to draw two random cards from the gear pile and then um, have the agency to choose one of them. The third um, action they could take when they level up is um, they can visit the arena. And when a hero visits the arena, he increases his gear capacity by one, which um, is marked on the campaign log and that allows him to carry more items. This is a reward that not directly influences the cards the players play with um, in their deck, um, but changes the rules how players can use cards. In general, Warhammer Quest has some sort of character progression, but it is very limited compared to many other adventure card games in which you often build um, or are allowed to build your entire deck. Let's have a look at the Arkham Horror adventure card game, for example. There you also have different classes, but instead of only having four actions per character, each character has an entire deck of cards that represents um, its actions. The deck can be constructed with some restrictions and players have only access to uh, cards of their class and some cards of the other classes and um, there are also neutral cards as well. Each card has also a character level printed on it. At first each player's deck is full of level zero cards. And during a scenario, the player earns some experience points, which they can spend after the scenario to upgrade their deck. Now the cards um, that are above level 1 will be available. And the cards um, above level 1 can be either new cards or an upgraded version of an already existing level 0 card in your deck. But the deck size is fixed and the players can only put two copies of the same card into their deck. Let's say a character gathered seven experience points during the campaign, um, then he could 
uh, upgrade one level five card and two level one cards after the scenario. Or he could upgrade two level zero cards and one level one card, for example. I really like the fact that you can do both upgrading and replacing cards. I think this is uh, very well designed and especially that you use the same resource for both options because this creates interesting decisions for the players when they upgrade the deck. From a design point of view it is however a little bit painful that you have to print um, almost the same card for um, each level or each instance of the card. In Gloomhaven you have different aspects of your character that can be upgraded once you level up. On one hand you get additional life points like in many games, which is a static reward. On the other hand you can choose from two new spells and add one of them to your available pool of cards. So far so good, nothing special. Uh, one of the special things about Gloomhaven is that you can change your attack modifier deck. The attack modifier deck is the random component um, that is used for the combat system of Gloomhaven. And it embodies what is implemented in most games via dice. That means you can somehow manipulate the dice um, on a level up. And that's not a static change with, let's say, a plus one uh, enhancement, uh, but individual and character-specific upgrades. An elemental mage might add a card that gives him a certain element when he attacks. Instead, a supporter may prefer to add a card that disarms the opponent, while the damage dealer does everything he can to maximize his damage. Each character has their own customization options to choose from. Uh, these are shown on their character sheet, and the mechanism is very interesting and adds an individual touch to each level up. Another special thing in Gloomhaven is the enhancement system that allows you to enhance existing spells by putting stickers on the card. These stickers come from a general pool and require a free slot on the card you want to enhance. There are also a lot of rules and restrictions on what stickers can be paired with which card. It's a bit complex and um, it doesn't come up too often. You only have two or three enhancements per character usually sometimes more sometimes less um, but i think it um yeah it is um, it is an interesting interesting mechanic to add stickers to cards to enhance them however in gloomhaven i ha sometimes have the feeling that the enhancement possibilities are not very well balanced because there's always a best enhancement and everyone playing The damage dealer character, for example, um, is choosing the very same enhancement for the same spell. Um, so I don't really like how um, big the variance between the different enhancement is in Gloomhaven. But the mechanic itself is, is really nice. In the Pathfinder adventure card game, the reward really depends on uh, the scenario or the adventure path that you play. Um, because once you meet the conditions for winning a scenario, um, you get the reward that is listed on the scenario card. That reward could be a new card um, that then can be given to any player in the group. Or you could be rewarded with a feat, which would allow your character to um, choose one of the appropriate checkboxes on um, his or her character card um, and check it. 
that feat now applies to your character until he or she dies. And it is typically something like um, plus one strength or plus one or two intelligence. Or it could be an improvement for your hand size. Another game I wanted to mention is Magic the Gathering. Magic is not a game where you really enhance a character over time, but there are still some level up or enhancement mechanisms in the game. For example, you have the level up characters or creatures that have been printed in the Rise of the Eldrazi set. Um, and the leveling ability uh, can be activated um, by spending mana or the resource in Magic the Gathering um, to put a level counter on that creature. And that creature has uh, different abilities per level. So let's say you have a creature that um, gets a new ability once it hits level 4. You will have to level it uh, four times before um, before it um, has its new stats, for example, or a new, a new ability. Another way magic enhances cards, cards over time during the during the match is um, by putting counters on that card. Let's say plus one, plus one counters to improve its strength um, or by uh, adding very specific counters uh, which are then described on the card itself. All of these enhancement ways are not persistent so they are wiped at the end of the game and the cards uh, start with their basic version when you play it next time. In Shadowrun Crossfire you also have stickers that enhance your character once um, it levels up but uh, compared to Gloomhaven the stickers are a little bit different um, because in Gloomhaven the stickers are more like small enhancements for your cards so let's say um, add plus one damage or plus one movement or um, add a, a disarm on one of your attacks in shadowrun crossfire on the other side the uh, stickers are not placed on a specific card but they are placed on your character sheet and they um, are more like static abilities so let's say for example increase your starting hand size by one or increase your maximum hit points by two People really like the enhancement system in Shadowrun Crossfire, but the number of changes that you are able to make to your character um, is a point that people complained about a lot. So I, it can take quite a while uh, until you get one of the enhancement stickers and yeah, that was uh, something that people were a little bit frustrated about. And um, some people also um, added some house rules to, to gain more of the stickers. Since the enhancements in Shadowrun Crossfire are always active and not attached to a card, uh, they can add new tactical layers to a character. For example, there is an enhancement that triggers once you played four or more cards in a turn. So you can build your character into a specific direction because you have a, a new ability that is always active and you are not um, dependent on drawing the specific card. Another game that I wanted to mention is a digital game again. It is Soulforge, um, which is a competitive digital card game. Um, I haven't played it personally, um, but we had a long discussion about it over at the Strategy Card Game group on Facebook. In Soulforge, uh, a card always levels up when you play it. So you start your hand with five level one cards in turn one and play two of the cards. And now these two cards immediately level up to level two. 
and they are much stronger now. And when you draw them the next time, uh, you will be able to cast them as level 2 cards and they will then immediately uh, upgrade to a level 3 card. For me, this implementation sounded very interesting because um, it is very thematical. You play a specific spell and improve in that direct spell. So, however, Dan Felder mentioned a lot of aspects he really dislikes about the mechanic. And after thinking quite a while about it, I have to agree with him that the way the mechanic was implemented in Soulforge really comes with some drawbacks. The most important reasons for me are that the decisions become less interesting. Since the power level of the cards on level 2 and 3 is so much higher than on the level 1 cards, the decision which cards to play from your hand um, is almost a no-brainer later in the game. Because you always have to play the higher level cards to keep up with your opponent, otherwise you will lose quickly. The second drawback for me is the additional complexity. Because you have to print uh, three different levels on each card. That adds a lot of complexity um, and confusion for the players. Because they have to process so much more information in the beginning of the game when they uh, are looking through all the possible level up options they have. However, I still love the idea of leveling up a spell whenever you cast it. Um, I played around with that idea myself some months ago, but I wasn't able to find a solution that really felt right for me. Um, but if someone finds that solution, I'm pretty sure that um, a great game can come out of this mechanic. And finally, the conclusion. And that's it for today. Leveling up a character is still my favorite thing to do in an RPG. I just love it when I can see how the character evolves and changes based on the decisions I made as a player. Today we discussed about the differences of existing character progression mechanics in digital and physical games. In my eyes there is still a lot of potential for improvement, especially in card and board games. Character progression in pen and papers and digital RPGs often feels a little bit deeper for me than in most board game implementations. But it has to be said that the deck building genre has created its very own and interesting way uh, to enhance a deck uh, massively during a short amount of time um, with its non-persistent approach. However, experiencing it myself at the moment, it is very, very difficult to come up with a nice and smooth level-up mechanic. I'm still working on it um, and hope to make the, the right choices here. Thank you so much for listening. I hope I could give you some ideas to build your level-up mechanics. Um, and if you want to join the NerdLab community, please sign up on nerdlikeaboss.com. If you enjoyed the show, I would be very thankful if you could leave a review on iTunes. Um, or you could also leave a comment on nerdlikeaboss.com or find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook with the hashtag nerdlikeaboss. So, thank you very much for listening and until next week, keep leveling up and nerd like a boss. 